This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 439, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Right when I wasn't looking And all these false impressions Leave me with the 
Hey everybody, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 439. My name is Paul Montgomery, and joining me are Connor Kilpatrick. Was that an Irish joke? Are we making is that, Irish a, jokes? Is that an epithet? No, no, not a, not at all. Because uh, I ordered a pizza the other day from a place where I've ordered pizza many times before, and they still think my name is Paul Montgomery, and they write Montgomery on the box. <laughs> my name is Montgomery, and it just it defends me because I love them so much, and you know. I think we're gonna go down there and straighten them out. I think we, uh, yeah, something, whatever you said. Also here, uh, Josh Flanagan. Yeah. <laughs> we are iFanboy. We like comics, and every week we read a bunch of those comics. One of us picks the best book that we read. We call that the pick of the week, and we talk about it here. We break bread. We we enjoy our company. Whose week was it for the you? bread? Who, who broke my baguette, you mother? <laughs> <laughs> and once you break the baguette, you have to finish it. It's going to go hard. And Hello. Mm-hmm. And we talk about bread and carbs. And it's so and delicious, but so fattening. No. I don't reading the calories on a given piece of food is is the dietary equivalent of reading the comments. <laughs> like it it doesn't do anybody any good. No one to know. Yeah. And so uh this podcast is is hardly <laughs> gluten free. It's also not spoiler free. We will be I talking about the things <laughs> historically, Connor and my conversations have been about forty five percent. I think I'm getting fat. <laughs> I mean, like we we discussed this anyway. Let's move along. Well, there no is empirical your record. Fat is self-loathing. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I am. A, I'm an honorary fat guy. This is a review show. We'll be talking about the things that happened in this week's books. All the people that got that died, that got impaled with cosmic energy, uh, beheaded is a thing that happened this oh. week. Uh, so if you're worried about spoilers, pause the show. Come back when the coast is clear. I didn't say, you know, where, what book someone got beheaded in. So that's okay, hopefully. But anyways, Connor had the pick. What was it? Well, before I get to that, I wanted to do a quick bit of business from last week's show. Uh-huh. Uh, we mentioned Rod Rice, the artist on Cowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually, I don't know why I kept saying he was the colorist. He's uh, Inker. He's the colorist on Justice League. Um, I kept saying Inker. I'd also had some whiskey before that show. So I don't know if anyone had noticed that. Uh, also, More Irish stereotypes. Exactly. Also, uh, not related to Ivan Rice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What are the chances that two people put, in put, comics might have the same name and not be related? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. They don't can we can we confirm that these Ramita guys have anything to do with each other? I don't think anyone's ever confirmed they are. They are. So apologies to Rod Rice, but although you we, we do not apologize for praising your art, which is still fantastic, yes. regardless of those mistakes. Pick of the week, Smallville Lantern 12. And I believe this is our first digital uh, pick of the week. Ever? Hmm. Or at least it's definitely our first DC digital. Well, not digital because private eye. You're right. right. I'm sorry. But this is our first DC digital pick of the week. DC has been doing these digital books for a long time. since the For the three years now, since the New 52. So this is our first foray, for, foray into that realm and this will probably be a short conversation because <laughs> I'm pretty sure – not only is the book short, but I'm pretty sure uh, neither of you guys are reading it. So. I checked it out because you made it the pick. I said, let's see what's going on because well, I, I like Brian Q. Miller quite a bit. of 12, right. so you may have been disappointed. Uh, what they do now is for a long time – so Smallville Season 11 has been the thing that they've done post the show ending of Smallville, which Paul and I both enjoyed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And Season 11 is still ongoing, much like Buffy Season 9, which went for five years. But Season 11 is still going – 
And uh, they stopped the sequential numbering and then started breaking it up into storylines, which got its own numbers. So this has been the Smallville Lantern story. This is uh, part 12 of 12. And these are half-issue length stories. So each uh, two of these would be the length of one regular issue. So these, this Smallville Lantern book will be compiled into a six-issue length trade when it comes out in paper. Okay, I read 10, 11, and 12. Well, you missed a lot of good stuff. Um, okay. Uh, this has been the story that's introduced the Green Lantern mythology into some of the Smallville world. We've mentioned this way back. I think Paul and Dave was sitting in on the show. I remember, I remember Sounds right, yeah. mentioning this. So we finally have all of the major elements of the DC universe integrated into the Smallville world. In this storyline, the, the ring finds – it was the ring of the sector that Krypton was, a, was a part of. And it finds uh, Kal-El on Earth to be the new Green Lantern of that sector. And then all kinds of uh, – Craziness and Susan. This this particular storyline featured basically everybody in the universe. You had Wonder Woman and the Teen Titans, and Batman. And uh, there's a there's a great sequence earlier where the Yellow Lanterns attack Earth, and the rings go to find suitable hosts, and they all just go to Arkham Asylum, and they all take over all of Batman's villains, and they all attack. It was actually a really really great story. But and then, and this issue number twelve was basically the Kind of the epilogue of the story. There was a bit of a climactic battle in the beginning with the big creatures, uh, Parallax, but uh, it really was more about the aftermath. And one thing Brian Q. Miller, who's been writing all these Smallville books and was a Smallville writer and a great comic writer, you recall it was the writer of Batgirl, the Stephanie Brown mm-hmm. Batgirl. Um, he does really great character stuff. And this, this, this particular chapter was mostly the characters coming down from the aftermath. And although also the Justice Society was in the storyline too, as Lex Luthor went to try to figure out how Alan Scott was involved and tried to get his ring from Ma Hunkel, who who sent him on his way, would not let him, you know, get get that information or get the ring from the JSA headquarters, if you recall from the show. Um, he just writes these characters really well, and this is a Superman that's tons of fun, and actually has a really great costume design. If you're looking at redesigned Superman costumes, way better than the one in the, in the DC books right now, and uh, you know, it, it doesn't. It, it's it's expanded that Smallville world so big that it, you're not so beholden to the show and the character and the you know they don't look like the actors but which the is the Clark fine. design just looks like it looks more like the Superman the animated series Superman yes, than exactly. um, yeah than Tom Welling. So it's, it's sort of taken on a life of its own and, it's, and the characters are great and I think one of the things I was thinking about as reading this and I actually reread the entire storyline this week just to because I fall way behind in these digital books because they're so short I forget about them. Is that, and we talked about this before. I think, Josh, you recall when we talked about the Adam storyline in the Superman Batman book about how that was how to do the reboot. And, yes. And these are, these are all alternate versions of familiar characters, and they're way more accessible than the ones that we find currently in the, in the new yeah. movie, too. Um, they're familiar, but they're different, and they're different in interesting ways. I mean, you know, Hal Jordan still exists in this world, and Guy, Kyle Rayner did exist, and Guy Gardner, but they're all dead. John Stewart's the main Green Lantern, and, and it's, a, it's a familiar John Stewart, but it's a different John Stewart. He's a cop. Instead of a soldier, and uh, I just think that this world's still really fun. And Paul, even though you only read a par- part of the story, didn't get the setup and all, all the things going on, did you feel like this was enjoyable still, or did you? Yeah, I, I no, yeah, I always, um, I always love going back to the Brian Q. Miller voice of superhero stories. He writes some of my favorite, especially you know within the within DC Comics and. It's it's relegated here to the digital first books um, with the different direction that they're going with the new fifty two. So it's it's always uh, you know it sounds it's it's cliche 
but I it's refreshing. It's just it's a palate cleanser, and it's it's more fun and more vibrant in a lot of ways. And um, so yeah, so I I enjoyed it, and I and I love how sort of expansive it's gotten. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're you're not limited to the budgets of you know a television show. Although they did some crazy stuff on the television show, um, right. and yet they didn't. The the other but the other possibility is that he could drop a lot of you know the relationships and the interesting threads from the show in favor of doing all new things uh, with this huge cast of characters from the comics. And you know, Chloe's still around. And it's, you know, the Smallville version of Oliver Queen. And it, 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 like, it, it was sort of like a, you know, like a, like a trigger in my head when, like, when I saw the character in this different costumery, I was like, wait a minute, who's this? And then he refers to himself as Arrow. And I was like, oh, right, Green Arrow. And then I also had to, like, I had to, like, negotiate. Two steps over to the other Yeah, one. negotiate. But it's not the Arrow that's on TV right now. It's not the one in the comics right now. It's the one from Smallville, which is, you know, Slightly different. Uh, slightly. Well, I, I, well, quite a bit different. I, yeah, he's much more playful and, and more like the, the Oliver Queen of, uh, you know, the, the classic Ollie Queen. Yeah. Um, not super serious Ollie from uh, from the comics and the, and the Arrow TV show today. Did you did you catch Arya from the car, the, the uh, not Arya that's that's Game of Thrones uh, uh, from from the from the cartoon? Who was that character? For the computer character from the cartoon. Um. Did you the Green Lantern cartoon? You watched that, right, Paul? Oh, oh, yeah. I can't think of the name, but I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. So the, her character is one of the background Green Lanterns, and there's a little nice, little oh, yeah. bit, nice little background bit where they have to reboot basically the Green Lantern rings in order to save the day, and so it deactivates everyone's powers. But since she's made up entirely of energy from the rings, she sort of falls apart. And it was a nice little background gag that they didn't refer to overtly, but it was happening in the background, which was funny. Um, he just, he's great. And I think anyone who loved that Batgirl book should be reading this book, especially since whenever Batman makes an appearance in this world, his partner is quote unquote Nightwing, who is Barbara Gordon here, but was originally meant to be Stephanie Brown. Right. But she's, it's the same personality, the same character, same kind of dialogue. Uh, so if you missed that, she's still, she's still alive, sort of in the, in the background of Smallville. And, uh, it's just really, really fun. And it, I, I actually looking back and my last pick of the week was Action Comics. So this is my second small Superman pick of the week in a row. And uh, I, I find myself just craving these Superman stories. And I, I like the cliffhanger at the end of of this one, where you've got you've got Lex with a whole table full of yellow lantern rings, and he's talking about assembling a team, basically. Yeah, and it's fun. It, I mean, these, the, you know, we loved that show for the, for the most part overall. I would say, and it's mm-hmm. fun to return to these characterizations, these characters. And I I fall behind in these books because I don't like reading. Smaller chunks are like reading them all together, so I, fr- I sometimes just pile them up and forget about them. But uh, reading all this in one sitting was really it was a really great story. Yeah, and you know, and they, and they come out on different days, and you yeah. know, we're so used to you know reading everything on Wednesday. But this, you know, reading the last three issues at least, um, it was you know simple enough. You know, you just you hop on there, you read the one issue, and it says you want to read the next one, and you just click a button, and you know brings up the next yep. one. So it kind of lends itself to you know holding off and and sort of marathoning them. I really like uh, Marcio Takara's art. As you said earlier, the, the, and I said the character models aren't necessarily the actors, which is totally fine, but they don't need to be. Mm-hmm. But he's a really sort of super solid superhero artist. He's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's great. I'm trying to remember. He was on, uh, I'm trying to remember, one of the Boom Stan Lee books maybe? Possibly. But he's, he's really good. And the, the format of these 
uh, series are they're all widescreen. They're they're a single page widescreen, and uh, so you get you get to play with that that more. And he he's just he's just a really good artist. And he did this. He didn't do this whole arc. I think he did seven of the twelve chapters or eight of the twelve chapters. Ig, Ig Gera, the artist from that Avengers Pets book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the other issues of those look good too. Um, we we used to say before that some of the more interesting stuff at DC was happening in the digital books, and I still think that's true for a lot of them, including uh, this one, which is still really fun. So fans of that show, fans of Superman, should check this out. Brian Kimmler fans, it's still a really really good book. Oh no, he did in- Incorruptible. Yes, that's what it was. He did Incredible for a while, and then he worked on The Incredibles, and he did Dynamo Five for a little bit too. Yeah, he's. Really I, I like his work a lot. Yeah, really solid. Very and very. Evo- and it's a Smallville book whose look sort of evokes the animated series, as Paul said. So it's a nice combination of the two. Yeah, I remember in the beginning, like it's clearly they're trying to go for a Tom Welling kind of thing, at least in the in to the level. Some artists, that, some artists really try to ape the actors, and some artists don't. It doesn't doesn't really matter yeah. as long as the art works. Yeah, I don't, I, mean, I don't mind, but it's, you know, it was, just, it was just interesting seeing that shift. Yes. So now the other book that um, I thought about for pick of the week was Miles Morales: Colon the Ultimate Spider-Man Number Two. I just like to say <laughs> the whole title. Um, uh, Bendis is is so good with these characters, and this was one of those issues where there was a lot of talking, um, which was great. It was interesting that this is <clears throat> it's one of those books where he did like a time jump. He skipped a bunch of time, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that has made it work a lot better. Right. Uh, a lot of times, I feel I, I think even with Bendis, like in the past, when he does a thing like that, you feel kind of shortchanged. Mm-hmm. I think like like he's done time jumps and stuff where where he did it and then all of a sudden you're like well we weren't done with that yet which is <laughs> sort of a a Sopranos kind of thing that I have but with this it worked because originally Miles was so young that I think it was difficult to keep going and stay there but now like him and and uh, and Ganky like are a little older well it allows you more st- stories you can tell you can tell yeah. romance stuff now he's got a girlfriend it's uh, without it being weird Kate Bishop right Kate that's his girlfriend is Kate Bishop yeah but she's just He's not right, but she's not that's his girlfriend. Right. But it allows um, more more things you can do with the character now. Yep. He's older. But not he's still not old. He's not an adult still. He's right. Let's see, fifteen or sixteen here? Probably, yeah. That works. And it also it also skips over some of the time that he already covered with Peter in Ultimate Spider Man. Like Good the point. Get, like getting used to the power set. Like it, there's slight differences in their power set. And you know the the whole legacy thing, and 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 you know their background. So you get some of that with the initial arcs, and then that time jump allows you to get right into the the meat of the story. This issue yes. looks really good. It does. Again, we talked about the art last time and how uh, Peter's floppy hair finally makes sense when Dave Marquez draws it, and it, it looked it was fine here. This was, if you recall, last time the cliffhanger was that uh, Miles comes home to find Peter Parker in his bedroom. And uh, so now we have the confrontation. Peter Parker wants his web slingers back. Wants his damn web shooters. Thanks for the help, kid, but I'm back, so I'll need my web shooters now. And a little little physical action here. And so then I really liked the sequence where Miles is like, clone, 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 clone. There's some really interesting. He's doing some interesting stuff with uh, with rhythm in this issue. And when you first start off, you get the the Norman Osborn stuff going back to uh, Osborn Industries. Um, it's Osborne Industries, right? Not Oscorp in this, right? So, so, anyways, it's it's a silent sequence. It's like, oh, is he doing all silent stuff? And then, and then it actually, as you said, it does become. There's a lot of talking in this issue, but there's also a lot like being very playful with 
with the rhythm of, of of that sequence of clones, 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 and and he continues to, you know, go farther and farther from that apartment and just saying the one word over and over again, and it's just all sinking in, like what's you know what's going on here, uh, and then you get the, the you know the great uh, sequence with with him and Genki and and Genki saying uh, Tushy, I believe, yes, uh, which that that works for Genki, I think. <laughs> Um and it's uh, Bendis, it's it's Bendis. Well, it's Bendis, but then the also like the I buy I buy uh, Genki saying that too. No, I do like, too. I think I think that works for that character. I'm both excited and dreading the Peter's family finding out about the clone. Right. I'm excited from an audience standpoint because it's going to be a great. I assume it'll be a great, uh, you know, moment and and lead to great stuff. But also dreading it because I feel so close to these particular characters after ten ten plus years that I don't want them to see. Peter walking around because I know what's going to happen. So I think that's a great place to put the story into where you've got all these possibilities to work from and they're all going to be really good, I think. Yeah, and in the background you've got those two characters in armor and not quite sure what they're up to yet. Um, So that's sort of like, you know, coming along in the background uh, and I don't know if those are related. Um, I don't know what clone Peter is up to. And I like that it continues to be, or if he's one of those guys, maybe. right? Exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe he's one of them. And um, and I also, I also wondered, like, you know, you've got two different ones, and but they, don't, I don't think they establish. I mean, they look male, but I don't know if they establish that they're necessarily male. So maybe the other one is female. Uh, just because it's got me thinking about the Jessica Drew character mm-hmm. and who else, if he was one of those armored characters, who would the other one be? And I, but, but anyways, I, I, I like that it continues to be weird that they're attracted to the female Peter Parker, but, oh wait, she's a clone of a guy we know. And is that okay? Is that Listen, weird? Hot is hot. Right. Right. We can't, you know, we, we make no judgments about that. I, I, Josh's silence is assent. I'm, I'm intentionally I'm sorry, I, non-committal you know, I, because there are a lot of different variables. <laughs> I couldn't think of a, of a response. I started going through so many things, and by the time that I had started to make headway, and not even anything final, it had been a good number of seconds. <laughs> so, so, which does not work for audio. My mind just went out of the room, around the corner to a bookcase with a Michael Shea Bond collection of short stories where there's a guy who's into his cousin at a wedding. So... I was like, uh, these awkward things. Okay, depending on the state. (laughs) So I'm still behind on Superior Foes of Spider-Man. I've started slowly reading it, but not, I'm not caught up to be current. So that's, well, what you would have missed, uh, was a number of, I don't want to say fill in issues because I don't really like that term, but, uh, issues by people other than the, uh, main people who started this. Right. It was a little tangent. uh, Other than, other than Nick Spencer or uh, Steve, Steve Lieber. Lieber, and and I thought I thought, oh God, are they done with it? That's what I thought because you know it's a it's a it's pr- I I can't imagine this is a huge seller for Marvel, right? Or that it's even setting up any sort of uh, financial, you know, anything like it's mm-hmm. just a, I don't know why this book exists. I'm very happy that it does, but I mean realistically, you know, we've I figure we've only got so long. Right. Anyway, uh, I was then pleasantly surprised with the return of of Lieber. And Spencer uh, to this, and and instantly it felt right again. It yeah. was fine the last couple of issues, like it was it was enjoyable, but this really was the magic. Yeah, that, I mean it's it's it. a great setup, and you know other other creative teams can come into it and, and play with it. But this is, is you know it's it's really special. It's like if someone were to you know you know come onto Hawkeye, 
It's yeah. like so, you know, esoteric and weird and sort of specific in terms of its voice that it feels like a creator-owned project. Um, but you know, so you've got you've got Boomerang and Beetle and Overdrive and the other one. Shocker was well, Sh- well Shocker's in there. Who's the speedster? I don't anyways. Uh, um yeah, <laughs> you know, the, that you know, and that sort of says everything you need to know about the the tier of villains that are at play yeah. in this book. But I, I also like um and they make comment on the fact that they've sort of been gone for a while. When Beetle says, Why why have we just been standing here for for a while? And um because we're we're just picking up after their previous issue. Um it's it's not you know, it's that was another story. Were the flashbacks were they of the other stories, were they flashbacks or were they what were they? They were sort of character studies on individual yeah. Yeah, mm. members of the yeah, team. Was, so yeah, like sort of out of time it. kind of thing. So anyways, yeah. this this continues that very sort of Baroque storyline. Um, just thinking about it, like it, it's v- kind of very hard to explain what is happening. But um, and in fact, Boomerang explains a lot of his uh, his bad behavior away by saying that it was Chameleon the whole time. Chameleon a, was yeah, but he's lying. I, he's, he knows he's, he's lying. lying. Yeah, it's a very convenient excuse in the Marvel universe, though. We got Constant, yeah. just blame everything on Chameleon. Chameleon is already also involved. He's got his fingers in this whole you know, all these shenanigans. So, you know, Boomerang takes the opportunity and says, you know, all those things where I did stuff that offended you, that was Chameleon at that time. So yeah, baby, it was Chameleon. It was, yeah. And that's very much his, uh, his personality and, and Boomerang has really become a really fascinating character and, mm-hmm. um, just a, just a rascal <laughs> and, uh, the head hey, of Silvermane. Oh, and my favorite line in this, where where at one point, like like uh, Shocker's just complaining. He's like, "How does this?" Basically, Hydro Man comes over to watch TV, and he know, he sees the head of Silvio Silvermane, or is it Sil? What is it? It is whatever. The head of yeah. Silvermane, and uh, the first scene is like he's he's already gone and sold Shocker out, <laughs> you know, because they're all criminals and they're assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's meeting with he's meeting with Hammerhead. Uh, who is really who's trying to be a tough guy and and like he keeps reverting back to his early version uh, of just talking like Jimmy Cagney mm-hmm. and like, and so there's this like underlying uh, little storyline where where at the end he's like call my therapist immediately because like the fact that his boss is coming back has tripped sort of the old version of himself which is sort of a comment on how the comics used to be yeah. we get uh, we get uh, Silvermane my had my favorite line where where Shocker's kind of whining and he's like you could be a man and then he's like <laughs> I love that part of the Godfather it's good. And it's great, which just made me laugh because I really like the guy. I thought of also. you when I got to that line. I was like, Josh, yeah. I love that. Um, is the head alive? Is it just the hell alive? Oh, yeah. No, he's yeah. sentient. He's alive. He's a dick. That sounds very much like Empowered. Uh, I don't know if anyone's read that where there's the, the alien in that living in the apartment. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, he's like, and, but he's like a cybernetic head. Yeah. yeah. But he's also an old mobster, which, right. is, which is great. Uh, I, love, the, I love an old more. mobster head to be just constantly commenting on my life. There's one you don't want that. There's one more uh, dual period do. spread cutaway of the of the facility they have to break into with all sorts of sight gags, silly, silly sight gags. Yeah, it's uh, like and when they made me laugh. I'm, again. Sure, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. When you're a kid and you take like a big piece of paper and you draw like your, you know, your ultimate headquarters or whatever, and it's got all these levels, and this one's got snakes in it, and this one's got you know, I like love pendulum I love or whatever. The, the giant knives. Yeah. Like they just, just look like knife blades, but they're giant. Then there's a room with a great white shark in it. 
Just it's, it's full it's of just water. Just like full of water, and, and it's got like a submarine yeah. hatch door. Yeah. Uh, nesting dolls, and in the fourth one, there's a giant spider. Uh, and then, and then, of course, uh, mummy Lennons. Vladimir Ilyich Lenin as a mummy. There are three of them. It's just, um, it's it's so fun. It's and very fun. Yeah. So so take it while you can get it. I think uh, it's 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 super fun. It's definitely sort of the, one of the most whimsical books over at Marvel. What and, number are uh, we up to with that now? Twelve. Well, that looks seems oh. right. Concerning the type yep. and the script. Yep. Well, in a similar vein, I wanted to mention Green Arrow 32. I dropped off this. Which I was very close to dropping off. I was very excited when they first yes. brought on the new team of Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. And I just hadn't really been into it all the Outsiders War storyline, which had gone over the last one, two, three, four, five, it's loading slowly, the cover gallery, six issues. And that's the problem with with... The, the problem with the modern way of doing comics for the trade is that if you find a storyline you don't like, you're stuck with it for six months. <laughs> Unless you're at Marvel, then it's only a few weeks. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, had, I was so close to dropping this book, which I'd really been enjoying because I didn't like that story, didn't care about it. I don't like, I don't like everyone having to be a totem of something else. I don't like how he just can't be a guy who got stranded on an, on an island and, and survived and then came back to fight evil. He's just, now he has to be some sort of part of some grand conspiracy war thing. I don't like how they're constantly doing that to characters. But this issue was sort of a return to form in that that storyline's over, Oliver's back in Seattle, and back to fighting crime. And it sort of felt like, oh, this is what I wanted to read this book about. I don't, I don't necessarily love his supporting cast other than Diggle, who I love from the show. But I do love, this book continues to be wonderfully drawn. There's, a great, there's some great flashback sequences here that are made to look like old comic pages, which I know it's an, it's an old trick, but it's a good trick because it really does work. It gives you that instant feeling of it being in the past. And so there's a bunch of flashbacks with, which are very sort of silhouette heavy in terms of the character work, but you can see behind them in the color the, the texture of the pages, which was great. Andrew Sorrentino is, is okay. I re- really, really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was never, I was, I was always really happy with the art. It's just after a while, I was just, I'm just bored. This like it wasn't if, going. Yeah, if you liked the story beforehand, just you know, Green Arrow being Green Arrow, this is a return to that, at least for right now. Um, right. But uh, I, I mean, Green Arrow is a great character. Just I didn't. It I is. It is at the end of the day, though. Wow, oh, this is this is like I, I really do miss what Green Arrow was. Like this is a different character as far like it's and it's fine. I kind of like it. It's okay, but I don't really feel like I need to spend a ton of time with it because it's not not Oliver Queen that I really right. liked. It's very much like the show, and if you're a fan, if you're a fan of the show, yeah. then it's very much like spending more time yeah, in that kind of work. It's essentially it's young Bruce Wayne, basically. It's like a yes, year one Bruce Wayne, but with a bow, with a bow, right? Listen, he's like Batman, but he's he's got he's got light hair, and instead of a Batmobile, he's got a bow, like a Spidermobile, an uh, Aeromobile. He had, didn't he? You know, and then it's the same thing that happened with you know Hawkeye in the movies too. Like it's for some reason the archers they said maybe it's it's such a it's such a silly idea that they have to use you know a bow and arrow we've got to make them like military grade. Well, what's what's interesting oh, is that totally the thing that right. made both of those characters like obviously the first thing that anyone's going to say about either of those characters is like what what is he doing? He's way outmatched. You know, he doesn't belong there. And so the thing that always pulled me over the edge with the, with them and was was that they they had personalities and they were plucky. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Circus not, folk. Not even supposed to be a pun. 
Well, Carnies. no, but like, and they, they they had that force of will, and with it that came that attitude, and and that explained why they why they were there, and and for some reason, like they don't think that that works uh, in a mass media context, which is weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because it sh- it should. I know lots of people who've liked it. For I know I did. Or you know, who knows? Well, speaking of things changing because of the mass media. Original sin number three, Paul. This was the issue that I both loved and hated, and may have finally may have driven me off. I was actually really digging this book way more than I thought I would up until this point because Jason Aaron is such a master of tone and balancing really silly, giant cosmic adventures with really great grounded character work, and that's what he's been doing in this in this series up to this mini series event or whatever you want to call it up until this point. But in issue three is the moment I've been dreading in which mm. uh, Nick Fury, or old original real Nick Fury, is murdered uh, in, a, in the most Game of Thrones-esque he's brutal, brutal crazy way. Crazy murdered, yeah. He's, uh, he's red-weddinged. Um, he, he gets... Stab, 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 what is he stab, shooting stab, 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 him with? <laughs> I don't know. Josh, did you read this also? Or is it no, just... no. I did go back and read the uh, scene yes. uh, right. with the meat. And that was exactly oh, oh, everything first one. you said it, it should be. Yeah, and then I stopped. I was like, "Nope, that's I'm a good, good memory to hold wise. on to. Hold yeah. on to that scene because I love that. In this issue, some switch gets flipped in Winter Soldier. He goes back in a boom tube to uh, where Nick Fury is. Shoots Nick Fury in the chest with like a in, blaster rifle. Shoots him in the hand as Fury reaches for a gun. Takes out a machete, cuts his head off, and holds it up high. So I don't last, even think it's a machete. I think well, it's like a giant Bowie boy, knife or something machete. like. The last issue, image of this issue, unless you've got the digital version, and there's an infinite story, which threw me off because I saw there was 97 pages in this, and I was very confused. Wow. Um, is is uh, Nick Winter Soldier holding up the eye, the severed eye of the Watcher and the severed head of Nick Fury. And he's holding him by the hair. No more secrets. And no I was more like, secrets. I'm out. I'm yeah, he's, out. He's Tim Robbins in Mystic River. No more secrets. So he's he's uh, Robert Rifford in Sneakers. It's... Who literally says no more secrets? So, um, it's just I don't. It's fun, but I just I I don't I don't want it. I right. It's um. What I like about it is that it's uh, it's it's unpredictable. Well, it's completely fun and silly. I, I you know <laughs> yeah. take away that last bit, I and mean, I've really been enjoying how kind of over the top it is, but still works from a character standpoint. It's probably, I think, yeah, I, I, I think my enjoyment of it, which I, and I don't love it, it my, my enjoyment of it is, is on a meta level where I'm just thinking about Jason Aaron doing the big Marvel event and he puts the orb in there, like right. his big giant eyeball character. And while I'm not wild overall about the way Diodato's drawing the book, um, it's got that uncanny valley, you know, photo referency thing, and really heavy inks, and um, just like lower the contrast down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the way he draws the orb and just that giant unblinking eyeball yeah, is fun. just the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> and he's and he's himself carrying around, a, you know, an eyeball with you know these tendrils leading out of it, and basically they just they say that the watcher, his eyes function. Like DVRs, they store all everything you see. So once the eyeballs were severed and activated, they basically, like a grenade, released all their secrets into the minds of the people around it. So in the beginning of this issue, a bunch of the heroes get a bunch of secrets revealed to them, and they run off crying and screaming. And they must have been secrets about the century, I assume. 
but uh well those are the secrets that are going to be explored in the various like captain like captain america doesn't say what the secret is that is revealed to him but it's going to be that he was betrayed by the other illuminati and they you know erased his memory uh you know back when hickman started on that book Right. Um, so all the different things that are going to be explored. Uh, the the Hulk remembers that Iron Man um, or Tony Stark was responsible for the the gamma surge that created oh. that, that created. He, oh, he remembers that <laughs> the Planet Hulk thing, but uh, apparently Tony caused the gamma radiation that created the Hulk in the first place. Yeah. Well, so I like just that. don't want any of this anymore. So yeah. I'm done on this. Okay. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't want it. And I don't need Nick Fury's head getting hacked off and held aloft like a trophy so that we can have Samuel L. Jackson in the Marvel universe. I just want to see where it goes with it. I mean, objectively I, I'm not super into the story, but it's just so out there that I kind of want to follow along. But um, I also like, I, I do like the weird combinations of characters like Punisher and, Doctor Strange. I do like that. I mean, we mentioned it before. It's, yeah, yeah. I think it's super fun. I, up until the last the last scene, I was really digging it. I like the Moon Knight has his own spaceship, you know, right. and and he and Gamora and Bucky are flying around, and they and they see shell casings, loose shell casings, floating in space. It has a, the, the hallmark of the Jason Aaron who writes Thor. You know, there's a big galactic ideas. You know, this was a guy with a giant gun sh- trying to kill a planet. So the, right. they follow his trail of sp- shell casings through space until they find. You know the the source. I mean, that, those are all great, fun ideas. I just I, the premise hurts me, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done. In fact, I'm deleting it from my iPad right now. Uh oh. All right. Well, I oh, it's hey. done. Let's take a brief and awkward it's break to it's talk the about the. Uh, whenever you want. If you wanted to buy an iPad, how to help Am- help iFanboy? Now I realize this is a big topic. We mentioned this last week. It's getting only getting bigger. You should not uh, take this little segment as a endorsement of anything that's going on right now rather than this is if you are still a patron of amazon i would like to help i fanboy this is a way you can do it this is not an endorsement of any corporate practices but if you are still using amazon ifanboy.com slash amazon is a place to make your purchases and helps the show out we get a little piece of the of the sale and shed had it coming <laughs> and i don't endorse that statement either so uh if you want to help us out and you're still using amazon that is certainly a place to do it another way if you're not if you don't want to use amazon anymore but you have been helping us out that way and you want to do something different ifanboy.com slash registration is a way you can become an ifanboy member and for three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year you can help us out directly you can also make a donation there of any amount you want so uh that is our awkward uh, break for how you can help us do help the show, keep the show going, keep us in uh, new microphones. In the meantime, here's a book I didn't get expect. New microphones because I got a dent in this one. We have been telling you to get a new microphone for a long time, but you don't listen. Dents are okay, I think. You know who listens? Jeff. Jeff gets new microphones when we suggest he should get one. <laughs> I never expected to see Big Trouble in Little China on the rundown, but here we are. I have the song in my head. Yeah, so, so but I don't remember any of the song except like that, those words. So, so my buddy and uh, fuzzy typewriter co-host David Acampo uh, put me on to to watching finally Big Trouble in Little China. I, I think I watched it for the first time last year, and he was really big into into the comic and and to the point that he like emailed me. Said, Did you check this out? I was like, okay, I'll check it out. So, Big Trouble in Little China, number one. Uh, it's from Boom. The story is by John Carpenter and Eric Powell with, you know, being actually written by Eric Powell. Uh, artist is uh, Brian Chirilla. And uh, this picks up directly after, you know, the movie left off. And, you know, with Jack Burton driving off 
So it's uh so he and he's driving off and he's got that that crazy orangutan looking Chewbacca demon uh that Lopan summoned and basically since he <laughs> killed Lopan uh the demon is now like Chewbacca has a life debt to him and basically he controls that creature and he's you know cuddly around Jack but he can be ferocious when some some ninjas attack uh at a at a wedding um and 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 the thing that's so cool about this is if you love that movie if you like the the voice of that if you if you love um what they what they were doing and the, and the, the really heightened dialogue it's all carried over here it's i think it's perfectly matched it's it's the voice is down completely and it's just uh it's just fun um and zany stuff and to the point that they're making fun of the fact that one of the characters is named Wang. Um, because one of Lopan's lieutenants, who isn't killed in the movie, uh, shows up a little bit too late to the party. And he wants to gather some artifacts. And basically, um, he tells um, he tells Jack that you've got to go find these artifacts or else I'm going to kill your buddy, um, whose name is Wang. And I've, uh, I've got Wang on the on the brain. Um, so it's, it's weird jokes like that, but not the only one, buddy. Who doesn't have Wang on the brain? Who doesn't? But but yeah. So this, I, I thought this was kind of is a this a mini? Thing. What is this? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's just an ongoing. ongoing. It says number one. It doesn't say of. Should be ongoing trouble in Little China. Yeah, they've got, I mean they've got some great covers by Joe Canones and uh, Turk didn't Gabe Hardman do one? Might have. I saw him post something on Twitter. Maybe not, maybe not for the first one. Yeah. Cyclops number two. I'm really enjoying this book. This book's great. Yeah. For a book I wasn't necessarily going to read in the beginning, I'm really glad I did because it's, it really, like, it's really good and it doesn't feel like typical Rucka. And I, I, don't, I hope that doesn't sound as sort of limiting as it is, but it, like, it feels like a different sort it's, of it's thing. It's a bit more him. fun than the typical Rucka book. I'm and it's just very... I mean, I Alien like Worlds and... I don't feel like he's done a lot of stuff, but it's at the center of it. It's a father-son story, and right. and and the awkwardness, and the and the really the impending crash that's coming, like right. the tension from that. The secrets I, that the dad has, yeah, yeah. And I feel like uh, I feel like he hasn't really done a ton with that, and it, it's interesting. Cyclops, Cyclops needs pirate clothes. He's walking oh, he's, around he's, Alien Worlds and his jeans, his jeans and his little button down, and he's got a sword, polo shirt buttoned up to the top. And he needs some proper pirate gear because I can't take him seriously. Because Paul, you will appreciate it. He is even though Cyc- Cyclops is off being a space pirate, he still dresses like a hall monitor. He does. He really does. And, well, he's dressed he's like a hall monitor that way. in the '80s. He or also just sort of a. Like I like a, that like a hipster I, I, J Crew kind of thing going on now. Yeah, I right. like. I like that. I like that. There's attention to you know the culture that he's from without going too over the top with it, um, because also Cyclops you know because Scott wouldn't be totally up on the times anyway. Also buttoned all the way to the neck. All the yeah, all the way to the neck. Right? That's exactly. that that just screams neo-Nazi to me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you heard it here. Or Sherlock. He also he also says I haven't the foggiest. He so, would say, he and he would say, say that exactly. <laughs> I think this is really fun. Cyclops it, making fun of Cyclops aside, I think the father son adventure in space is a great place to explore. I was not in favor of this particular development in the beginning when they announced it, but now I'm all on board. And I, think, I feel like I feel like it's going to make me cry. Yeah. Well, uh, clearly, it's going to be. It is it's clearly gonna, uh, Corsair. That's his name, right? Yes. Yeah. Is sick or something? He's got. A, he's secretly injecting himself with some medicine. 
And and really the whole impetus of this adventure and this issue was to go get him some more medicine secretly uh, while he distracted his son with the hot alien girl. Um, go talk to her or I talk to this guy for no reason. Well, I talked to Jabba for a minute. Yeah. Um, so clearly, clearly is going to be a, bad, a, a sad moment. But this is really, really good. And I hope they get to continue and, and Rocket gets to tell his story on it. and Because uh, I like it a lot. Russell Dadman, really, really good. Yeah. really like the art. Quite a bit. It's a nice, it's a nice pairing with Dave Marquez in the same week. These books come out in the same week usually, and they're very similar styles. Uh, Earth two number twenty four. We now enter the second, the third year of Earth two, and I really enjoying the world building going on. And we have had some indications that we're going this way, mostly because they've announced that the world's finest book is changing main characters to the Superman and Batman of Earth two. And in this issue, we, I don't know if those characters are going to be the old ones, or the new ones, but in this issue, we we meet the new Superman who is. A Kryptonian, uh, like Kal-El, but was, was being, uh, he was trapped underground, much like the Superman of that Elseworld story in which he was skinny and he was not exposed to sunlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually many Elseworld stories now that I think about it, but maybe, he, I, maybe I'm a Kryptonian. I don't know it. Could be. Uh, and so this one, he finally is, he's a pacifist. He's like, Hey, maybe you are. He's a pacifist Kryptonian. Doesn't want to use his powers to fight the parademons who are wrecking the earth and, which pisses off Batman, who is Thomas Wayne, and and uh, this in this end of this issue, Jimmy Olsen finally convinces him to to start to help, and he, he his clothes are all tattered. Jimmy says, "You need some new clothes," so he takes them off and reveals he's got a costume underneath it with the S symbol. So that's where we're going with this, and it's it, again much like Smallville, it's an alternate take on these characters, but it's a really fun one, and uh, I, I still enjoy this really wacky adventure we've got going in Earth too. And this issue, Eddie Barrows drew it. And he he managed to make some of the more outlandish costumes, like the Flash one looked not so outlandish, which was nice. There are some weird costumes in there. Yeah. Good. Moon Knight. Moon Knight, number four. This, uh, you may remember, uh, yeah. if you go back to the beginning of this, we've all been very complimentary of the art in this book mm-hmm. and some of the concepts. But I think maybe a little bit, no, that's very cool, but doesn't doesn't make you really feel very much. I think, though, that this is the issue, ominously, I guess, that, that sort of convinced me. I, think I got to the end of this. And I was like, this is great. Mainly because of the ending. I didn't like this at all. I loved it. And I loved I loved how it stopped. And I know that like it kind of looked like it was a cop out. And I know that there was a bunch of really surreal stuff. I I just I just I thought it was really I don't know, it worked for me completely. It was just very succinct and I, I loved the ending of it. Paul, where do you fall on this? I'm somewhere I'm somewhere in the middle. I think this is my favorite issue so far just in terms of a, a single unit story. Yeah. Um it's tricky, you know, because like um it, it seemed like in you know in the first issue that this was leading into there there would be these little episodes but then also there was something going on in the background in terms of his identity but there's not. and the spirit but there's only going to be Six by Warren Ellis and and Declan Shalvey. Jordy Belair is staying on past that, and Declan's doing some covers, like he did the cover for number seven, which looks awesome. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a new creative team for the most part. Brian um, Wood and some Smallwood, Small something. Yes, I forget. Brian Wood and Smallwood. I believe that's the other artist's name, but I, I could be wrong. So also, it might be it might be Karen Silkwood. I don't know. <laughs> that would be that would be. <laughs> But I but I like this in terms of a it felt like a tales from the crypt like a little or like a eerie or creepy story yeah. you know um, I just like the, at the very end credits roll oh shit yeah <laughs> you're right it is small wood yeah 
Uh, that didn't strike me until Greg I said Smallwood. Both of those names out, out Brian loud. Wood and Greg Smallwood. Yep. He's, I would presume he's not as tall as Brian Wood. <laughs> he's a smaller Wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought this was also the, I don't want to say it was the strongest art of the series because the art's been really strong, but it was like there was, it had a different feel to it, I guess. I'd it was much it, more textured. Yeah. I'd put it, you know, the first issue I thought was really, really strong. Um, I put it up. I put it, you know, up there with that. Those these two are my favorite. I think in terms of story and yeah. and art. Um, but yeah, I just I like the creepy idea of this guy is buried in the floor and he's half dead and he's got these dream spores coming out and people are breathing them in and having joint you know memories and that's kind of it's such a cool out there idea that and so high concept that that's sort of enough. <laughs> You know, like you don't need to explore it anymore. I I, just, I came out of this issue, and I, you know, I've 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 always liked Declan Shavi's work, obviously. But like, I came out of this, and I was like, oh, he's going to be the next Chris Somney. That's that's like how I feel. His career arc is going to go, although he's taking a bunch of time off to do different things now after this. But I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's, he can be as prolific. I think one of the things about Somney that made him so successful is he was suddenly everywhere. Yeah. And Shelby is not. Well, it can be if he wants to be. I think he's definitely got. I think he's got the goods for it. It's about. He also what? isn't going to a superhero look. Yeah. He's gonna, I think he's going to stay sort of great niche artist for right now. That's fine by me. There's nothing wrong with it. I just. I'm know. cool with whatever, very whatever Declan wants to do. Uh, yeah. Enjoy it. All I'm saying he's very, very good. Yeah. yeah. No, he's great. I, I just, I just wish you wouldn't say that he wasn't as good as he is, Connor. I didn't say that. I said I'm I like, just, whoa. sorry. I think the art looked great. I, I think we all know what you, but you read between those lines. I think we know where it's going to go. Wait, he is Irish, isn't he? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Are you, oh now, God. are you now exclaiming towards yeah, the, the superior I'm, monkey? Is that your new god? I'm an apist. He's an ape. He's not a monkey. Those I subscribe to apism. Those are the superior monkey is more fun to say. Than you see that ape. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes poster? I saw the trailer. The trailer is awesome. Those are the books we're going to talk about this week on ifanboy.com. Uh, you can, I was going to say slash comments for some reason. ifanboy.com to the comments section of this show. You can talk about these books or other books of the week or anything else to talk about or whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about Josh's problem with the Irish or the fat or monkeys. I am Irish. Uh, he's, he's partially all of those things. You can go to ifanboy.com. Now, Paul is getting in early like a good little student. Yep. Getting his work in early for the book of the month. No procrastinating here. If any of my, my teachers, if any of my professors from college are listening, they're guffawing right now. Get something <laughs> in early. <laughs> um, always an email at 11.59. Uh, okay. Con- Connor and I... Uh, we did used to edit college. your work, Paul, too. We, we would <laughs> yeah. also have commiserating <laughs> stories with your teachers when we were your editors at iFanboy. So. Yeah, Whereas Connor true. and I are so old that we don't have any teachers who would remember us. <laughs> right. In any way. We also did an email in our homework. All right, I chose paper. for the book of the month for June of 2014. I chose a book that is orange, it's very <laughs> orange on the cover. It's a beautiful European style album, so a little bit wider than the standard comic book. Uh, lovely hardcover collecting. Is it Winnie uh, the Pooh? Uh, yes, it's Winnie the Pooh. It'd be awesome if it was Winnie the Pooh. Milne, is that right? Chubby, yeah. Chubby Josh would hate Winnie the Pooh. Sanderson, stuff. red above the door. Oh. Josh um, would tell Winnie the Pooh too many carbs. It's slimmed down. It's honey. It's all he eats. Sugar. Sugar. Pie. I love that book. I've been reading it to myself. Oh, what is the book of the month? Book of the month is called The Love Bunglers by Jaime Hernandez. And <laughs> I think 
I think the title is almost enough <laughs> to make it the book of the month. I love the title, The Love Bunglers. And basically, this is the culmination of like over 30 years of storytelling in the locus portion of the uh, Love and Rockets story. Um, they've been doing this since 1982. And oh, so this is a Love and Rockets collection. This is a Love and Rockets collection, yeah. Um, this was, I believe, originally serialized in Love and Rockets news stories, uh, which they've been coming out with over the past few years. Um, it's like 100 pages per. And anyways, this is a little bit over 100 pages, but it actually it functions as a standalone graphic novel. Wait, even if is this never... in the same format as those other collections? Is that why you well, said they're... orange? Because the other collections had very like single-color palette covers, th- like the, the red and blue collections. Those are... Um... No, those those like the paperbacks. Yeah, the big thick paper. No, those are. I mean, this will probably eventually land in one of those. Hmm. Um, but I guess it's it's a it's a single storyline, so it's in a, a hardcover. That's like, I think it's like 112 pages or something like that. 110 pages, yeah. Um, and it's so it's it's black and white cartooning, and of course, you probably are familiar with Jaime Hernandez and, and Love and Rockets, and that great combination of like you know and uh, you know 80s and 90s indie style and um, like a Sunday uh, newspaper comic strip, um, and basically this is this is the culmination of Maggie's story. Uh, if you're familiar with Maggie the mechanic, um, mm-hmm. and Maggie and Hopi, Hopi appears in here, but it's this is really Maggie's story, and she's in her 40s at this point. Um, uh, Hernandez has followed her from you know her, her teenage years, and when she became her, her basically her, her claim to fame is she was a mechanic at a very young age, and she got a little write up in a newspaper, and so she was known as Maggie the Mechanic. Um, this story takes place in the forty or, <laughs> while she's in in the forties while she's in her forties, but then also flashes back to her childhood um, when her family moved. Uh, with with her father getting a new job, um, her father ends up having an affair, and she discovers it and brings this to her mother's attention. And her mother doesn't take it very well, obviously, but she also kind of blames Maggie. She's like, "Why did you tell me this?" And yeah, no they end up come of that bad choice. Yeah, and she ends up having to move. They they all move back to um to their original hometown. And we've seen a little bit of, you know, some of those stories throughout the, the locus uh, stories in love and rockets, uh, you know, since 1982, but this is all sort of tying it all together. Um, we kind of see without giving anything away, without giving too much away, at least um, we see who Maggie ends up with. Um, this has been sort of a, a really long, you know, sort of soap opera over the decades um, where she's, you know, been with, with different partners and, you know, different people have probably have a different idea of who she, you know, might end up with or how she should be, you know, happiest, um, or even what career she should end up in. I mean, there's been wrestling, there's been, uh, punk rock. Um, and at this point she's, uh, basically a landlady of, uh, an apartment complex. Um, and it deals with her, her siblings. Uh, she was the eldest, um, her brother, um, uh, it's pretty early on in the story. So he was he was involved with some older kids in this new town that they moved to when when the dad got a job, and he became sexually abused um, over a period of time, and that really you know adversely affected him. And so that goes on into his adult life, and that plays a role in this story as well. Um, but basically, this is this is the 
sort of the you know the height of Maggie's story, and a lot of threads get tied up, um, which may surprise a lot of people because it's one of those stories. It's one guy doing the story of uh, several characters, but primarily Maggie over you know thirty years, and you kind of uh, you know expect that to just go on forever. Um, I don't know if that's just the end of his time with the Maggie character. It's certainly a nice bow to the end of her story. Um, so it could end there, uh, or it could go on. I don't know, but, um, it's, uh, I w I would consider it his, uh, his Maggie opus. Cool. I've never really, I've tried so hard to get into yeah. rockets. I've never been able to, I've read a bunch of them. Yeah. They look, they look great. The art it's, is it's beautiful. It's, it's, I mean, seriously, uh, the, just the level of cartooning in here is insane and it's and yep. it's not like insane you know crazy inventive layouts or anything it's very no, it's, simple and minimal but and it's it's deceptively it. simple it's really wonderful character cartoon work it's mm -hmm. not like neil adams layouts or anything but it's really great work and uh they tell really great stories they i mean i just i read the whole Maggie mechanic we released that came out that that was all hyped up a few years ago and i just wasn't it's not for me for whatever reason but i do, I do like looking at it Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, well, uh, last year I sort of I sat down. I said this is going to be my Love and Rockets year, and I and I read up all those collections. You can go on the Fanographics website, and they have a good guide as to where do I start with this. Uh, if I just want to read, you know, the Jaime Hernandez stuff, the Locust stuff, or do I want to read his brother Gilbert stuff, which is Palomar and Luba and her family? Uh, they show you sort of like the path which way you can go. And since it's been like collected into different versions, you know, you might, you, you know, you might get a little confused. So go to Fanographics and look, you know, look at their, they have a whole love and rocket section and it, it's really helpful and explains, you know, everything. Cool. So that is the June book of the month for my fanboy. The love bunglers by Jamie Hernandez. Jaime Hernandez. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and sort of if, if even if you know you're like that sounds really daunting. This whole thirty years of love and rockets thing, you could pick up just this and enjoy it, and it will make sense. It tells a complete story. It refers to characters, but any novel does that. Mm -hmm. So you're really, uh, you're really taking in some of the classics lately. I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm reading a lot of black and white stuff this year, and yeah. it's just um, ain't no thing with that. I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. And, Who's uh, next this on was, this? Huh? Me. You? Yeah. You, you hear the, Look for that at the end of July. You hear the resignation <laughs> of my voice? Me. Yeah. Better not be in July. I'll be out of town. You don't, you don't even have to. You don't even have to write a review now. But come on. <laughs> actually, I actually already know what's going to. I actually already, already have one picked out. So it'll be. Yeah, I have one picked it'll out. Be on, it'll be on time. But come on, the Love Bunglers. What a great name. It's a good name. It's true. Let us do an audience question while we still have time before we get out of here. Emails from Monica who writes, says, I was thinking about comics and sports. I've seen biographical comics about athletes, licensed comics about the NFL, but it seems sports and comics don't mix. Is that because there isn't an audience for them? Also, is the iFanboy staff excited about the World Cup? And I was thinking, because there are, yes. there, there are comics. I have got a bunch of baseball comics. Baseball. I've got a Roberto Clemente comic and a, right. a Satchel Page biography comic and it's and I was thinking about it after reading this email looking at my shelf and the the hard thing is that my initial reaction is well because sports is so fluid and and visual that it's hard to 
represent, but at the same time, superhero comics are all about fighting and yeah. that's fluid and visual. So I don't I had know exactly the same. I don't mm. know what it, why one doesn't translate like the other does. I mean, the I mean, okay. Let me take a stab at this. Uh, I think that if you look at sort of what comics tends to do best, um, historically, obviously there are exceptions, but it does uh, a lot of fantastical things and, um, you know, imagination things where that, that you wouldn't necessarily see in real life a lot, whereas sports, sports are very real. It's, it's a thing that exists, and I feel like, well, there's crossover in the audience. There's not necessarily crossover in, in those things. Now, that being said, I like a good sports story. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody mentioned something about something. I was listening to a story on NPR about a, a specific kind of pitch the other day, and it was like an arcing. You might know what this is Ephus called. pitch? Yes, exactly. See, I knew you'd know. And hearing that story instantly made me want to go back and watch Ken Burns baseball again, which I've watched through a few times. Now, I don't like sports. I don't watch baseball, I don't, but I love sports stories. Now, I think that comics is ripe to tell those kinds of stories very easily. And we've seen it. It happens. There was the... Um, well, 21, the Roberto Clemente story was a book of exactly. the month. We had um, the, the Golem's Mighty Swing was sort mm-hmm. of a fantastical uh, baseball that, that story. That guy, James, I forget his last... Sturm. Sturm. Sturm? Sturm's done a bunch of baseball books. Yeah. I have a Satchel Page uh, biography book that some mm-hmm. a book publisher put out for all ages. Um, they're in there, and it, it's. I do find that I think for me the problem tends to be that the physicality of sports is hard because it's so specific. It's not like someone throwing a punch or a kick, or or you know some sort of other physical action. You have if baseball players don't look like they're baseball players if they don't. If they're not crouching the right way, or mm. you know the action, the motion of throwing the pitch is all off, then it, it really takes me out of that story really quickly. It's hard yeah. to, it's hard. It seems to be hard for some artists who aren't used to that kind of actions to draw them convincingly. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and if you, and like in the same way, I mean, it's very simple. If I'm a comic book artist, like, do you, like, and somebody's like, "Will you draw this football team?" I'd be like, Ugh. A lot of equipment and shit to draw. It's just people. Like yeah. it's like huge stacks of people. Basketball is kind of the same way. They're in they're in a stadium, so they're surrounded by by the like it's I don't know that it's I don't know that it's all that much fun to draw when a lot of people who sign on to draw comics. A lot books. of perspective stuff that you have to yeah, do. Yeah, like it's just... it's kind of Although we were talking like, last week about the football scene in Southern Bastards that Paul really liked. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought it was interesting because I've never I've just yeah. rarely so rarely seen that angle. Which ties back into this. I think. I think there's. There's. You know. There is. There's probably some element, and I know that like the the world is not bifurcated like this, but there's probably some element of you know the jocks do the sports and the nerds do the comics. You know, and I don't mean that even in a bad way. It's just that I think that those those sort of plates are separate a little bit, and there's obviously been crossover things, and there's 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 never been like a breakout sports comic to make people go, we should do that. Well, you I know, think partially breakout zombie comics. There's no breakout. There's no breakout non-genre comics, and mm-hmm. well, yeah. that's actually the wrong way to say it because those are genre books. There's not like a sports book. There's also not a romance book. There's also not a western anymore. Well, I think they, I think they, 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 they sports stories, and I'm you know uh, not a typical American sports guy. I love watching the Olympics. Um, uh, 
she asked about the World Cup. Um, I've tried getting into football slash soccer. Uh, it's the field's too big. <laughs> is the problem? Huh? The camera's too far away. I used to love when I worked with Brits exclusively, and World Cup or Euro Cup came along. I used to love watching it with them. I remember the most fun I ever had watching a sporting event was I was in Ireland and there was a qualifying round with Ireland uh, for the World Cup and I watched it like in a pub on the west coast of Ireland. And that was super fun. Yep. But if I was to sit here at home and yeah, pretend exactly. I try, and, and try to care about it, I haven't been able to do it. Mm-hmm. I, so Monica, your question is, are we excited? Clearly these two aren't, but uh, <laughs> I am and... I found my co-founder Ron Richards is also excited. I remember actually the last World Cup watching the U.S. game, the famous Landon Donovan game at Ron's apartment in San Francisco. So I will be very excited. I'm excited for you guys. I'm I'm excited. You know, yeah, a bunch I, of my friends are really into into football. I, think so. I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, I don't have any context. It's a very interesting football. comment you made, Paul, about how the lack of intimacy in this in the camera angle. That's the thing. Yeah, it's it's so far out. And like if if it were like you know on a like a, a playground basketball court like, and it was, you know, like six guys or something like and the camera was right in there. Then you, I could feel the, you know, tell you what, running thing. up and down that thing is no fun. Well, that I, you know, it's actually, that's one of the things I think is interesting about it in, in sort of contrast to what Paul said is that it feels really big to me and I can feel like they're working really hard the sure. whole time. They are, but you know, the, the gains are, are so few and far between that it's, it's, uh, it's, it can either be constantly exciting or constantly boring. It's kind of not one or the other. But in, that's uh, no different than other sports. Right? When, I was, when I started playing soccer again as an adult post-college, I was in a small league where it was six, just six on six, and it was a really small field. And that was fine. But one year we started to try playing a full-size league, and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I was, it's like, huge. I, was like, I can't you. run like this anymore. Are you crazy? It's like a civil war battle. I'll tell you what sports is on this weekend. The uh, the World Cup uh, UCI downhill bike uh, uh, race in uh, Fort William in the UK. Hey, nerd. Returning uh, downhill champion Steve Smith back on the bike after breaking his ankle in the early season. Pretty exciting. You made all of that up, including the name Steve Smith, which is a really boring sort of fake name to make he up. He has a mustache. He's Canadian. And sure. no Canadian Joe has ever won the downhill championship before last. Actually, the second place was a guy named G. Atherton. <laughs> so I don't know how you figured that out, but it's pretty amazing. So West Wing reference. Well, thank you, Monica, for writing us in. And she wrote in at contact.fanboy.com. And uh, she could have also called in a question at 888-FANBOY, which is 326-2697. If she had done that, she, she should have told us who she was and where she was from. to kept it around 30 seconds. And uh, to get on the show, and thank you. You can do that every week to get into the show. Sports! That's my fanboy. It was a good question. It was a good question, and I will say a good uh, sports, and I think it's sort of, they lend themselves more towards self-contained graphic novels than, you know, an ongoing thing. Oh, totally. And it's more about writing about athletes instead of a sport, I think. Well, that that could vary, I guess. It's interesting about sports, ultimately, I think. is the people. So, the Andre the Giant book just came out from first second. That's not sports, that's entertainment. Well, it's sports entertainment, I guess. Theater. I I mean, like, if, if you were to do the Ty Cobb graphic novel, I would be first in line. What about what about um, Kennesaw Mountain Landis? Kennesaw. So we're just we're just doing assholes Is now. <laughs> well, the the best stories. Fine, no, you it's true. Cap Anson's book. I want. I could do Honus Wagner. I would. Love I could a do. Book. Who was the? Who was the other guy from that era? Well, the Walter pit, Johnson. He a, yes, Walter Johnson. Yeah. There you go. 
I could do a Walter Johnson book. That'd be great. Let's do a special edition podcast. On I like I like sports writing that people have never heard of. You also like read sports. sports. Have you ever watched Ken Burns baseball? No. I'm I'm not kidding. You would love it. Yeah. I I could not stop watching it. It's on Netflix. Baseball is tricky for me, but I, I could check. It's it is. All, it's all great stories, and it's old timey, Paul. And you love. Yeah, it. I mean, like I it, it, it loses. It loses some of its. The, old, the, it, the more recent it gets, the less interesting it becomes. Yeah, right? but then you have the you have the context of sort of what the country was going through at the time, which to me makes it it's history. No, what it's, I mean is, once the story gets past the sixties, yes, I find agreed. it less interesting. Seventies yes. and eighties, I was like, okay, but the 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 twenties and the and the, even the eighteen hundreds, yeah. it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. So thank you, Monica, for exposing this uh, secret uh, desire in Josh to to learn about baseball. Yeah. Quick plug: uh, the X Men: Days of Future Past show is still out there. If you have seen the movie, when listen to me and Paul and the return of Ron Richards to the podcast, mm-hmm. talk about X Men: Days of Future Past. You still have That's- time to listen before it returns to the vault. <laughs> right. We're gonna put it in the vault like Disney and bring it out. <laughs> Again, so thank you if you've done that because if you have, you are one of the people that contributed to one of our over 8 million downloads. We used to track these pretty closely and post about it on the website, but since we stopped posting, I stopped tracking it. But sometime in the last couple of months, we blew past 8 million downloads on across our family of audio podcasts. So we Righteous. thank you, everyone who's done, who's listened to, who's downloaded, has streamed it. You're listening right now. You're one of those people. We thank you very much. I think it's safe to say when Josh and Ron and I started, the idea that uh, we would have eight million downloads was laughable. So we really appreciate that, everyone. Josh, do you agree, or did you have always in your mind? I was, I was just going to say, suck it around comics. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wanted to go ahead and get that in there. Head over to fanboy.com, come on this show, talk about this week's books, find them all other podcasts. Let's let's get to nine million. There's people out there that don't, know that, that don't know we're really good friends with those guys and just think we're huge dicks. Right. Both those things are true. <laughs> um, so... I would like to get to 10 million before the next year. I yeah. By the time we in 2015, let's get to 10 million. Uh, so ifanboy.com, that's where you find uh, this show, all of our other shows. You can comment there. You can talk about this week's books. You can find our special edition shows, our movie podcast. We'll be coming up with Guardians of the Galaxy soon enough. And uh, that'll be a fun time. Fun, sexy time for everybody. All right. If it's what a fun, what a fun sexy time you'll have. <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, if it's not happening on the social networks, it may as well not be happening. So that's why you could follow iFanboy, twitter.com slash iFanboy, or you go to facebook.com slash iFanboy, uh, or individually you could follow us at J.A. Flanagan, uh, C.S. Kilpatrick, or Fuzzy Typewriter. Those, those are the three. Paul, we had follow. a naming convention. <laughs> Sorry. And you didn't follow it. Yeah. I, you, you, yeah. Yes. I guess there's really nothing to be done about that. Yeah. So finally, if you dig this sort of thing, uh, write us a review in iTunes. Better yet, tell people about it. When you're at your next sports game, don't make those don't, dumb sports ball jokes. I'm it's not. Like, I didn't don't, say sports don't. ball. I didn't. I said when you're at, you know, when you're at, you know, tell your the next goalie event, that he got a three pointer. I was trying to be as expansive as possible. I understand. You're not at a match. You're not at whatever. You're at a sports sport outing. You're sporting okay. good store. Tell people about iFanboy. You, you look. You and look all the fun you have. Stick? Let me let me ask you something. Do you like comics? <laughs> that's, so now, a, that's a that's a nice set of skates there. So now, Paul, uh, have you ever really thought about Green Arrow? Paul, before we go, how's your homework coming? I just got uh, just in time for them to announce like a new 30th anniversary version. I just got uh, the Ghostbusters on Blu-ray remastered in uh, in 4K. So I'll be watching that this evening. 
You have a 4K yeah, TV? Do you have a television that that will work on? No, but it uh, apparently looks better than the regular version. There is apparently, according to Blu-ray.com, there is an uptick in quality. So you're upset that you didn't get a, a better rate. version, a newer version with more stuff on it of a movie that you have no history or effects. I just for. thought it was funny that I ordered it and then like the next day they announced one that's got like a maquette in it. And, you know, I don't like I don't you don't need yeah. that. I don't. I don't. You really you're still in the whole DVD marketing thing then. Huh? People love well, it. Like, I, I, the people around here love those maquettes. Love yeah. Those, love those. Specials. I mean, like I went through that for a long time where I was like, I got to get the one that has the, the three commentaries. And the special case, and I still don't know where to put that. I, I mean, I like case. you know, I like stuff with you know commentaries and stuff. I like the special features, but you I don't necessarily care about. Yeah, I do. I I dropped off at some point. I love them, but I just I didn't. Especially I in TV shows, I'll I'll yeah. more often listen to a you know an episode of a TV show with the commentary on, and not because I need a Blu-ray player by my computer that would help. All right. Well, Paul blew the deadline. Now I feel very much like your teachers in college, that uh, your professors. But I was early with the the book of the month. Yeah. Well, well it's about priorities here. It's and orange. one of them is Bill Murray. Yeah. So next week we'll find out, or maybe you'll do a fuzzy typewriter show. I am going to do a podcast about it. I've been told. Yeah. So we, we'll, uh, we'll do I mean, that. we can't talk about it. Is we it can talk about it. Yeah. All right. I don't All right. Until then, that. until Paul finally does his homework, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And the flowers are still standing. Yeah.